Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Andrew joins me tonight and uh, he's the Chartered Legal Executive. He's also Head of Family Law. Now that can be quite a minefield, particularly if you're dealing with the breakdown of a relationship or a marriage and uh, where do you stand legally and how do you deal with these things? We're going to try and bust some myths. Good evening, Andrew. Uh, Good evening, Clive. Thank you very much for uh, joining me this evening. Now the first thing I want to look at, it's a phrase that I hear and I I touched on this earlier on, Somebody refers to uh, their, you know, a, a common law husband or a common law wife. What does that actually mean? Is there such a thing as that? Because that does that come under common law legislation? Uh, and simple, simple answer to that is no. Right, really? Yes. So, is it, or is it just a, is it that's an urban myth? It's just a throwaway comment, then, really. It is really. Um, it, it, it's most common with people who live together who aren't married, um, and after a period of time that they've been together. There is an assumption that they they become common law husband and wife, uh, but it's not actually anything legal. So they don't have any greater rights just because they've lived together for a period of time. They have the same rights as anybody who aren't married and live together. Um, And that can cause some difficulties in relation to obviously sorting out finances if that relationship then breaks down because the law is not the same as if you were married. Um, And it can be quite complex. Yeah, it, it's, it, as you say, it's something that, that's a bit confusing. And I always think that, you know, if two people are in a relationship in the way that you've just described, I suppose that that legislation exists in the same way. Let's say, for example, you and I shared a flat or a house. And obviously, we weren't in a relationship with each other, just friends. And we shared, you know, we, we had, had, you know, shared the bills and all the rest of it. Th- there'd be no legal comeback on either side for you and I, if you decided, oh, I'm going to go move out or whatever. And I guess that's the same for people who are in a relationship, but not married. Yes. And, and that, that provides some parallels between that, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you can have the same law covers people who are in a relationship or two people who just own a property. They might be friends or it might be a sort of a business arrangement. But the law is the same for, for all parties in, in that respect. So for somebody who's looking to protect their assets in a relationship which uh, has come to an end like that, what can they do? What should they do? There are are certain measures they can take. Um, Obviously, during the the process of purchasing a property, for instance, um, they can enter into a capitation agreement which would regulate how they live together, things such as um, how they pay towards the mortgage, household bills, maintenance for the property and probably also have a clause in it about what would happen if the relationship did break down and what would happen to the property. So let's say person A owns the property outright, doesn't have a mortgage, uh, and, uh, you know, manages all the house's finances, and the person that they're living with, they are in a relationship with, and that relationship breaks down, and person B leaves the property. They don't have any legal right or claim over anything then. Not necessarily. This is, this is where the law is very complex right. in this regard. Um, there are, are various circumstances where person B, as, as you put it, may have a claim against the property. Um, the most obvious one would be if they have made a 
financial contribution towards the property. So maybe at the start when the deposit was paid for the property or they've contributed towards the mortgage. Um, that's the most obvious claim that you could, you could make. Um, but there are other areas that could be explored which could then result in that party having an interest in the property. Um, it is a very complex area and there's, there's various legal arguments that can be gone down in order to ascertain whether a party has a, has a claim and, and should be entitled to some of a property. And this is where legal firms like Waldron's and others come in because obviously, you know, you know your way around this. Yes. Um, you know, in any legal matter, um, you should always seek legal advice at the earliest opportunity mm -hmm. so you know where you stand. Um, and you're not being sort of led down the garden path by maybe a, a partner who's, who's making out that they know what, what's best for them. One of my friends uh, married um, his wife back in 2000 and, oh, crumbs, nine, ten, something like that. Um, and their, regretfully, their marriage was doomed to failure. And they separated and his wife disappeared, disappeared off the face of the earth but also managed somehow to massage some money out of their joint finances, which I think they'd got at the time. I don't, I'm not quite sure how she executed this, but she, she clearly did. Um, and so she disappeared off and, and hasn't been seen since, uh, is the short answer. Um, so obviously my friend was devastated and uh, went and moved back with his parents. I think they were in a rented property at the time, so that was that was dealt with. Um, but Tim wanted to get divorced because he's met a new, a, a new lady, and and that's fine. And okay, it, in those days it was early days for them to get married. But you know he wanted to move on in his life uh, with Joe, um, and you know he couldn't get divorced because his ex-wife was nowhere to be seen. So what can you do in a case like that? Because, you know, people assume you can just automatically be divorced through through a natural process after five years. You have to instigate that process, surely. Yes, to, to get divorced, you have to follow the divorce procedure. It's the same regardless of the circumstance. In, in, in the situation that you're referring to, um, you're probably going to go down the line of uh, employing tracing agent to see if they can locate the wife. But ultimately, if she can't be found, then it, it's going to be as part of the divorce application and application being made to the court uh, to deal with the fact that she she cannot be located. Um, and if the court is then satisfied that she can't be located, the court can, if it wishes to, allow the divorce to proceed. Without her intervention at all? Yes. Okay. And that goes for the same-sex couples as well, I guess? Yes, it would do, yes. Yeah. Um, what's this about a quickie divorce? I've heard that phrase brandished around what's a quickie divorce yeah i think i think you hear it most of it from the media i suppose uh, and, there's a clue and, in the name but yeah you know, and, and what is it? especially with celebrities it's always referred to it oh they've got a quickie divorce and they've had the decree nisi or what is now called the conditional order uh done in, uh, to make the divorce process quick um the, there is no such thing as a quickie divorce the divorce process is the same for everyone it takes the same amount of time and the, the, the point that, the, that gets reported in the media is actually the middle part of the divorce process, not the actual ending of it. Mm. Um, only in exceptional circumstances can you attempt to try and speed up a divorce process. And there are certain permissions that you need to obtain from the court in order to do that. But like I said, it, it would take very exceptional circumstances. Okay. But, it, I mean, it, it's, it, 
it can be expensive, though, to, to do this, can't it, really? And I mean, as you say, there's no such thing as a quickie divorce. Um, and is that why people sometimes just, just battle on and, and stay together and, and don't go around, get, you know, don't go as far as getting the divorce because of the cost? I think, I think that's true. Uh, I think there's a perception as the costs, which, again, I think the media has some blame to, to be laid at their door in, in respect to that. Uh, because they're reporting on people who are celebrities, multimillionaires, mm. and obviously the arguments and costs that they go through aren't that of, of a normal couple who maybe just own, own a, a semi-detached house together and have no other assets. Um, what you'd find is the actual divorce process, which only deals with the marriage, it doesn't deal with anything else, doesn't deal with financial matters. That process, um, there is a, generally a court fee you have to pay, which is uh, £593. So whether you do a divorce yourself or through a solicitor's, that fee always has to be paid. And most solicitors nowadays charge a fixed fee for a divorce process. So the costs probably aren't what are perceived by people outside. So roughly what are we talking about? So uh, typically you'd probably find that the solicitors probably charge around about £500 plus VAT, and that's to do the whole divorce process. Uh, on top of that, it's, it's the court fee of £593. Mm. OK, so it's around about 1000 give and take of yeah. it either way, obviously. Yes, that's, that's right. Now, talking about fine, as you, you say, you know, you, you can't... The divorce process deals with the separation. It doesn't deal with finance. How on earth about do you go about dissolving financial arrangements between two people? Because not necessarily um, would are you able to share assets equally, can, can you really? Well... The, the, the process should be one where you go through some form of financial disclosure process so both parties know exactly what the assets are that they're, they're going to divide between them. It's not necessarily a case of dividing each asset individually. They can be offset against one another. So if one person has a, uh, a particularly large pension, let's say, and they wish to keep that intact, they might trade that off against uh, capital from the family home. Um, so... It's very fluid in how, how arrangements can be made. Um, the starting point should always probably be to t seek legal advice to know exactly what it is you might be entitled to. Um, so you're not sort of going down the river, so to say, arguing over things that aren't necessarily relevant or that you, you'd have much of a claim against. Um, but there are various ways to try and resolve financial matters. Um, I think, obviously, the, the media report the court cases, uh, but in, in most lawyers would probably advise that the court is the, the last port of call. That's where, if all else fails, that's the only route you can go down to, to resolve matters. Ideally, we want to deal with things constructively, amicably, and by agreement. So that's either dealing with things via the solicitors. Um, it can be via services such as mediation, uh, which obviously the government are very hot on at the moment. And going down those processes, the cost element is much reduced compared to that of having to go down the court route. But I guess somebody can't make a claim against assets that they haven't contributed towards, surely? They can. When you're, when you're married, um, it doesn't matter which party uh, bought the assets uh, into, the, into the marriage or who contributed to what during the marriage. It will all be taken into consideration. There are certain areas where you might go, well, actually, that asset could be ring-fenced. But 
you have to look at the whole case to, to determine whether that is something that would happen or not. So going back to my earlier scenario, let's say two people are not married, live together, person A pre-purchased the property outright before they met person B, and then their relationship fails. Can person B make a claim against their property? Because they're married, yes, they can make a claim against the property. What if they're not? If they're not married, it, it's back to that question as to can they establish that they have an interest in the property by way of, to start with, whether they made a uh, monetary contribution to the property, but then there are other other factors that can be looked at to establish whether a claim should be considered or not. So what happens when a divorce gets finalised? I mean, really, how long does that process take from somebody coming to sit to you and say, look, you know, I need to divorce my wife, my husband, my partner, whoever. Um, how long does the process take roughly? Um, um, you know, what does it conclude with? So the divorce process takes approximately six months from start to finish. That seems an awful long time. It does. Um, there are there are sort of three stages to that process. Um, there's issuing the application and the other party responding to it. Uh, you then have a period of 20 weeks to wait before you can apply for what's called the conditional order, which is the middle part of the divorce process and when the court confirms that you're eligible for a divorce. And then there's a six-week cooling-off period, as they call it, uh, before you can apply for what's now called the final order. And that's when the divorce process finishes and you are actually divorced. During that process, whilst the six months might seem a long time, ideally you'd be advised that you should be resolving your financial matters, which can take a bit longer. But I, in an ideal world, that process of dealing with your finances can be resolved during that six-month divorce process. So if everything works as it should do, uh, then you'd be getting divorced and you'd have your final order in relation to your finances at the same time, you'd have your line in the sand and you wouldn't need to look over your shoulder anymore. That's right. So I guess then when that divorce is finalised, that's it. You can't you can't go back and say, well, I want, you know, X, X thousand out or, or, or whatever. Well, no, the, the divorce is only the marriage. So right. that only brings the marriage to an end. It doesn't, it doesn't finalise the financial uh, claims against one another. Um, I think... Uh, uh, several years ago, I mean, there was a there was a case that was obviously reported on um, where the the wife uh, and husband got divorced in around about the 1990s. They didn't settle their financial claims. He went off to become um, an eco entrepreneur. He became a multimillionaire, and uh, like I said, a few years ago, she made a claim to the court to deal with their financial matters. Now we don't know the outcome of that case because they settled it. Right. But it, it just opens, it just means that door is always open. Uh, even if you get divorced, it's always open unless you finalise it by way of getting uh, what we ordinarily, if it's by agreement, it'd be a consent order. Now, of course, the breakup of any kind of relationship, whether marriage is involved or not, is emotional for everybody. And it's made even more so where children are involved. What rights do people have where there are children in the relationship? Well, I mean, in relation to children, um, the first thing that you'd look at is whether both parties have parental responsibility. Um, so that's a responsibility to the children. It's not a right as such for the parent. Um, if, if a party doesn't have parental responsibility, they can obtain it. Um, that can be by agreement or, again, it can be by a, a court application. But 
but when dealing with the, with children, obviously consideration needs to be given as to the circumstances of both parties. I mean, a simple example would be that their working arrangements, because that would obviously impact how they are able to look after the children and spend time with them. Uh, but the right really is for the children to spend time with both parents, and the assumption would be that they should spend the same quality of time with both parents and then it's it's up to then looking at whether there are reasons why that shouldn't occur. Why is it then that the parent who has the children living with them has greater rights? They don't have greater rights. I think it's more of a perception that it's because that person has the children for a greater period of time. Um, they don't necessarily have greater rights, as you say. Um, it, it's more to do with, I think, the fact that because that parent has them for um, a longer period, it, it feels from the parent who has sort of the lesser time, maybe that they're they're not they're not allowed mm. to have have their say as such. But when when the child child is in your care, you are allowed to do uh, you know what you want with them. So to say, you're not answerable to the other parent as to where you go with them, mm. what ta- what what you do with them. Um, you know, as long as you're looking after them, then there, there shouldn't be any problems. See, I know of two people who were in a relationship together, and while they were in a relationship, they had a child. Um, they're not in that relationship now, and uh, the female has moved, moved out of the house ages ago, um, and their child lives with her, and and that's fine. But she can be quite awkward as as far as allowing her ex-partner access to see the child. Now, that's that's not right, is it? It's not right. I mean, parents should always put their children first. They should be at the forefront of any decision they make. Um, any adult issues should be removed from that situation and shouldn't have any impact on that child's right to have a relationship with both parents. Um, in those instances, they are common, unfortunately. Um, but again, the best way for it to be dealt with is by an agreement between the parties. Ideally, having an arrangement written out together. Um, I mean, there are. Uh, I mean, CAFCAS are one of the bodies from the court. They have a parenting plan uh, on their website, so that can be downloaded. That could be something that both parties could fill in, and that might help them to come to arrangements that suit both of them. Why is it generally, though, in your experience, that in a case like that, the ch- child or children always end up living with the the, the mother if, if if there's a female mother involved? It, it's more to do with circumstances. Right. I mean, I suppose historically you'd look at how uh, families are uh, made up. Dad's usually the one who's the, the main breadwinner. He has the best paid job. He goes out to work. Mum enables dad to go in, out and earn that money because she's the one who's at home looking after the children um, and there are certain circumstances that mean that the children will probably remain with with that parent it's mm. not always mum, it can be dad as well um, but circumstances that affect arrangements are things like where are the parties living so for instance if, if they, they separate and uh, let's say mum stays in the house and dad goes off and moves to another town it's not necessarily going to be appropriate for them to have an equal time together simply because the arrangements for getting the children to school in the morning uh, would mean that they, they probably aren't in their, their best state to actually perform when they go to school if they've got a, a two-hour drive. Yeah, OK. So for anybody listening to this um, who is actually in the, about to start the process of terminating um, a marriage, what's the first thing that they should do? Uh, well, first thing they should do is, is seek it 
legal advice to know exactly what the processes are and then they can make an informed decision as to how they want to proceed. Okay, it's, it's as simple as that. So it's do you, do you research that. first? Yes. And where can we find out more information about this then, Andrew? Um, so uh, you could go on the Waldron's website, which is www.waldrons.co.uk or the office can be called and an appointment made. Um, number for that is 01384 811 811. 811-811-01384-811-811 and Waldron's website, of course, waldrons.co.uk. Andrew Wood, Chartered Legal Executive and Head of Family Law at Waldron's Solicitors, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Clive. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 7pm. If you love our podcast, then please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne, produced by Andy Caddick.